Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. I don't know what this is. Cancel. Yeah, we're going to cancel that. There we go. I think it's on. It's on. Um, so record, like, so keeping your phone on and the idea, because it's, for your previous profession, it meant it made total sense. But there's a lot of people that it's a weird sort of fear of missing out type of thing where they want their phone on at all times. And I always have my phone on silent. And then... I always have the alarm on for the morning and I have those whole sleep things set up. So I'm supposed to be asleep by nine o'clock. So at like eight o'clock, my phone pings me or does a little, not even ping because it's always silent, but a little thing pops up on the screen saying it's time to start winding down for bed. And then it goes on do not disturb mode. So it's like, not only do I not, do I not hear it? I don't even see it because it's silent and it's not even going to pop up unless I unlock my phone and look at it. Um, so it's, uh, I think there's, cause it's weird, you know, I mean, we're the last generation that remembers the first half of our life without cell phones. Like I didn't have, like, how old were you when you finally got like a cell phone? Uh, I remember this pretty vividly. I think I was, let's see. Uh, so I graduated, uh, I was 18, I was probably 20 years old when I had a, a, a cell phone. I, I want to say it was like 99 Yeah, is when yeah. I got my first cell phone, 1999. Yeah. I think I was wrong. Like so, yeah, exactly. So I, I was, of course. Uh, <laughs> and in a minute, I do. I have a I have a story about that. So, um, yeah, because because kids nowadays, they just I think I think uh, Will the infamous. He's no longer famous. He's infamous. Yeah, he's, he is infamous. He's, he's infamous. Will Smith did a song. That parents just don't understand. And, yeah. and kids just don't understand that. Um, so. Remember, uh, my brother got a cell phone, and, and when I saw him with it, I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, this was like this was like alien technology. Yeah. Right. Um, or you were like a billionaire. Yeah. Is the way I viewed it, right? So yeah. when he got one, I was like, "Man, I have to." You know, everything my bro- my older brother did, I was like, "Man, I gotta I gotta do what he's doing." So. Yeah. Uh, you know, you couldn't just go buy cell phones. You know, they had them at these random places, and I yeah. walked into this one place, and he had a, a bunch of these brick cell phones, and. Um, I end up uh, buying one, and um, uh, I remember. I so I was never the uh, like I didn't do the whole college experience. I didn't go out. I didn't party. I didn't do any of those things, right? Uh, but this one particular night, a friend called me, and he's like, "Hey, they're having this get together in San Marcos, and uh, I, I'm in Austin at the time. I was going to the University of Texas, and he's like, um, do you want to come hang out?'" And I was, I guess I was feeling good with the new cell phone. So I was like, yeah, I'll be there. So I, I show up and I remember, um, uh, I was like, man, you know, I was there for about an hour and I, and I was just about to leave. I was like, this isn't, this isn't my thing. You know, people were getting drunk. They were doing the kid stuff, yeah. you know, I wasn't yeah. doing that. So I was like, man, I, I think I'm about to leave. And as I'm heading to the car, uh, the, this, this girl comes up to me, a group of girls and she's uh-huh. like. And you could tell she's she's uh, she's had a little too much, and she's like, uh, I have an emergency. Can I please use? And I had my cell phone in the hand. Uh, like, can I please use your cell phone? And I was like, uh, 
oh, I don't know, but I don't want to be the super cool dude that's like, nah, you can't, and just yeah. leave. Yeah. She did say it was an emergency, even though now I know, as I'm much older, uh, when you're drunk, everything's an emergency. Yeah, that's true. So I was like, oh, okay. And dude, she proceeds to have this like 10 minute conversation. Yeah. And I'm sweating bullets the entire yeah. time. And what yeah. the kids nowadays don't understand yeah. is like, you were paying an obscene amount of money per minute. minute. Like my, yeah. my phone bill was like a few hundred bucks because yeah. of one yeah. phone call that yeah. she made. So back then, you really had to, you know, had have the money to have a cell phone or yeah. else you were just walking around, uh, you know, like it was an earring. It was a fashion deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you weren't really using the cell phone. Yeah. It's almost like those those people that have glasses, they're, they're fake. Like, I mean, they're, they're yeah. glass in them, but they're not prescription. They just want to look smart. So maybe people walked around with cell phones that had no... Um, they had no service. They, they like, they couldn't, maybe they could turn on or something like that, but that was it. Looking back, I wish I, you know, why wasn't I smart enough to do that? Just yeah. been like, Hey, just, I want the cell phone. And he's like, okay, what plan do you want? No, 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 no plan. I don't want a plan. No just plan. I have no plans in life. Yeah. I yeah. just want the cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it really was, um, for emergencies only. I remember I used to work at this nightclub and we had like the phone list on the wall. And I remember the head of security, it had like his home phone and then it had a cell phone number. But then like right in parentheses next to it, it's like for emergencies only because they just raked you <laughs> over the coals back then for what you'd pay for. I mean, it, it was been better if it was like break the glass if you need to make it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like five bucks a minute or something crazy like that. It was so expensive back then. Yeah. And I was for me, it was also it was 99. I remember that. And it was a weird thing because now it's become something that. You know, the idea of like leaving home without it seems insane. No one would do that. People spend a lot of their life on it. There's people who literally make their income by filming themselves on their cell phone and influencing stuff. Um, well, nowadays, it's, a, it's, it's much more than it was back then, too, though, yeah, right? Like yeah, back sure. then, it legitimately was just a way to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, these are handheld computers. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I probably use my phone. The least amount I use it for is actual phone calls. Like that's 100%. like, yeah. there's 100%. a lot of people where I literally, you and I have talked on the phone before. There's, there's people like friends of mine I talk on the phone with, but we text way more. Yeah, like, we don't, we don't, when, yeah, exactly. We don't actually talk on the phone all that much. Not that much. And no. that's why it's like when you send a text message or something like, hey, phone call, I'm already like yeah. in emergency mode. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing that that's almost, it's weird. It's so maybe it's come full circle. Maybe the cell phone, the, the conversation on the phone is still for emergencies and then for like spouses and stuff like that. I feel like my wife yes. and I text, but we, we talk a lot on the phone. We, that's the, probably the only person I talk to on the cell phone quite a bit, probably yeah. on a daily basis when, you know, yeah, we'll call yeah. each other. But, but sure. going back, I was telling you, so you, you uh, sent this text this morning and you were like, Hey, let's, let's record the podcast early. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get the text and, uh, the reason why I didn't get the text is because in my old profession, I, you know, I had a profession where you, you did live and die by that cell phone. It was, yep. it, we, we all had to stay connected. And if, if, um, the sky was falling, which it often did, yeah. um, you, you needed to be available for that call. So I literally would sleep with, uh, my ringer full blast. Um, oh. and I would keep it like right next to, right next to my head. Right. Which is wow. probably like, Probably not safe yeah. now, it's, you know, <laughs> I like these micro, I don't know what kind of waves are sunk into my brain at this point. But anyways, yeah. you, you know, and, and it and, and it got to a point where I just became a super light sleeper to begin yeah. with because yeah. you didn't want to be the guy that 
um, on this particular unit, you didn't want to be the guy that missed a phone call. It's like, where's Johnny? We need Johnny. And he's like, yeah. oh, he slept right through World War Three, right? It's like, yeah. nah, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I became a very, very light sleeper. I have terrible, now I've, you know, I've been away from that profession for about three years now, and I'm still a terrible sleeper. Like I just, I, I feel like I'm never asleep. I just have my eyes closed and I can kind of, I can kind of feel and sense what's going on around me all the time. Yeah. Um, and even though it's been about three years since I've been out of this profession, just recently, I have discovered the beauty of what you were talking about. Like I silence my phone at night, yeah. right? Yeah. And mainly the reason I silence that phone is because we have a mutual buddy who tends to text late at night. Yes, he does. And uh, <laughs> and if I start to read his text, I'll just I'll will I, I won't go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll silence my phone. Yeah. Um, at night, and that's that's one of the reasons why I do it. And then also we get some security alerts at our house, and yeah, like kind of goes up. Right? Yeah, I just silence yeah. the whole thing, right? You don't want that intruder alert on your phone when you're asleep? No, no, no. no, no. Why would you do that tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping that the alarm goes off, right? And that, that will wake me up. Um, but uh, um, last night, instead of just silencing my phone, I did the unthinkable. I went phone-less. And my phone was giving me all these problems, and I think it needed to be updated. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shut down this phone. I'll put it on the charger. And uh, it'll do its updates, whatever it needs to do. And, and I don't, you know, nobody needs to call me anymore. Yeah. And um, sure enough, I wake up this morning and I have this text like, man, we, we got to record this podcast like now. Yeah. Nah. And I was like, <laughs> this is why I never, tur- you know, I never. No, I think that phone. I think it's actually I'd say it's the opposite. I'd say it's a great example of why you should keep it off, because it's like I was like, we could, but we don't have to. Because now we're here, so it's that's all good. That's beauty. Yeah, but that's it's, beauty. But it is a weird thing of like, because sometimes um, Chantel and I will go like, let's go have some coffee or whatever and go read. Because she's just stuck in front of that computer all the time. And when she does, most of the time she's like, I'm not going to bring my phone with me. Because if I bring my phone, somebody's going to contact me about some sort of work stuff. And it's going to, th- you know, it's going to spiral. It's going to, you know, throw me off. Because she's the kind of person where yeah. she can't, like... If there is some sort of problem, there is not, oh, I'll deal with this later. Everything is, I'll deal with this right now. Her and I, are, I think, are, are, are the exact yeah. same way. I think even in terms of temperament and even when you were talking yeah. about being a little OCD about things. Oh, yeah. And I'm the, sa- I'm the exact yeah. same way. Like, Sally is very laid back. She's like, that's not. But for me, everything is, and that comes to my old profession. There was, this, sure. you know, we used to always say, like, if you're not early, if you're not, if you're not early, you're late. And, yep. you know, you don't put off what, you know, what you can do now for tomorrow. You do it like yeah. right this second, no matter yeah. how small it is. And I'm, and I agree with her a hundred percent. I'm the type of person, I don't have the discipline. Even if I silence my phone, let's say I'm at the coffee shop, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book. Yeah. I'll keep looking at the phone, looking at the yeah. phone, like not yeah. touching it, but I'm like, I wonder if yeah. anything important is happening. Yep. And then I'll put down my book yep. and I'll read and there'll yep. be something, somebody will message me and I get sucked in and like, instead of reading the book and now I'm, I'm, I might as well have just stayed home and looked at yeah. my phone. Well, it's, and it's, it's interesting because like when you think about what you're talking about, it's, it's almost a fear of concentrating because if you're concentrating on something, it means you're ignoring everything else. And what the cell phone has sort of done is like, it gives you an infinite distraction so that you probably are missing out on something at all times. And for some people, like, I mean, I was, for your old profession, things like that, it, it is important. Um, but the problem is, I, I think that if you're a certain type of personality, 
it's always important. You know what I mean? Because it could be, you know, something now that's not as life or death as it used to be for you, but it still is going to register the same way. So yeah. it's like, you know, so it's, it's a weird thing. And like, I always wonder about overcoming that because I, I obviously like I have, I have trouble concentrating myself um, a lot on these things. Um, I don't get quite as distracted by the cell phone because it's not usually as, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit better at like being like, okay, I'll delegate this for later. Or a lot of times what I have found, especially when it's people like asking me questions about problems, if I don't respond, a lot of times they figure it out for themselves, which is, so it's like, you know, like, oh, we got this problem with this thing like that. I So like Friday night, one of my uh, Airbnbs in Lubbock, the woman's like, what's the, um, can you call the um, internet provider for your house? Because the, 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 the um, we got a guest there right now and they said the internet's not working. I'm like, I don't think I ever set internet up in that house. And, and she's like, well, we didn't set it up. I'm like, well, I know I didn't set it up. And, and like, and so I was starting to get like stressed out about this. And then I just, I looked through everything. I'm like, I'm a hundred percent sure I'd never set up internet for this house. They set up internet for the other house that I have one street over. Therefore, it's probably likely that the other one was them as well. And for whatever reason, maybe they have both under one file or who knows what. Something that they will need to figure out, not me. So I just kind of stop responding. And at some point she's like, oh, okay, no, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, good. So it's it's sort of like the discipline of not getting involved in certain things. Uh, I think greatly enhances the quality. See, I'm looking at my phone right now. It's just, I saw a little text. I got to put it face down. Um, I think the discipline of, of not getting involved sometimes makes your life better because it's like, you know, if, if you can't focus in on that book or sometimes it's the person and, and we've all been there with people where it's like, they start looking at their phone and it's like, a lot of times I'll just stop talking because I'm like, I'd rather get somebody's full attention than, than just the half. I hate the half thing where they're like talking and then there's a little delay and you're like, you're not listening. I like to at least feel like the person's listening to me. Mm -hmm. Even if right now you're spacing out, you're nodding. I feel like you're listening. <laughs> it works. So, No, I, I, um, I, I'm thinking about instances where I've either done it or it's happened to me and I don't, I, you know, it, it, it's funny. I probably have done it to people before, but you're right. I don't like it when it's done to me. No, um, no. Yeah, but, it, but it's because it's interesting because this actually all cycles into the idea of being um, a good influence, like using the word influencer or persuasive or whatever we want to say, which a lot of times means that you're a, a powerful person, which can be for good or for bad. But one thing that I've always heard that powerful people have is the ability to make the other person feel like they're the only person that matters in the world at that moment, like giving them their undivided attention. And I think as we get more and more distracted by by things and stuff, if somebody treats us that that way, it makes us feel special and important. And that is a very valuable skill to have. I've heard that from from literally from people talking about Bill Clinton to Marcelo Garcia. So <laughs> slightly different life stories and, and and things like that, but just people that that have been largely influential for, you know, politics and, you know, all sorts of U.S. stuff. And then for, for jiu-jitsu, which smaller group, but still highly influential, is that, that ability to just focus in on the person that they're with. And that's something that I'm, I'm always, like, aspiring to be, like, to be that way. Like, I don't think I get there that often, but it's, it's cool to get there. But it's a weird feeling because it's always this feeling of, like, 
I'm, I almost feel like vulnerable. I feel almost feel like if I'm like reading the book and I'm focused in too much, somebody's going to come over and whack me over the top of the, the back of the head. I'll be like, man, if only I was looking around the whole time, but now I'm looking around the whole time and I'm not, I'm not able to read this book. I'm not able to like, so I'm like, well, that seems dumb too, because it's like, if you spend all your time trying to be vigilant, it's almost like you, you run out of that vigilant energy and you never get to focus on anything. So it's like this exhausting way to be. Yeah. But I don't know how to stop it. I just know that. And and I think it goes back into kind of the premise of this whole podcast on everything that we talk about is about finding that balance. I I, I don't think that you should be too far to the left on anything or too far to the right of anything. And it's constantly pulling yourself into that middle ground. And sometimes it's just about recognizing when you are being too vigilant or too unfocused, if that's what you want to call it, because there is that idea when, when you start to study like uh, super successful people, a lot of times they'll say that the, the, the one attribute that made the most difference is being hyper-focused on yeah. a single, on a single thing, on a single yeah. mission, whatever, yeah. you know, a single task. And, um, I think that that becomes, at least speaking for myself, something that is difficult to do because you get into, we have this culture of like multitasking, yes. right? Yeah. And then even with your computer in your hand, cause that's really what it is. It's, I find it extremely hard to be laser focused on one thing. It's like, I've almost been programmed to feel like I can do a hundred things at once because this computer in my hand makes me feel like I can do a hundred things at once. And the reality is we've actually done an, not purposely, we just put ourselves through it in business where I was telling you the other day, you know, we've thrown a lot of spaghetti up on the wall and mm-hmm. to see what sticks. And that's really, you know, anyone that's like, oh my God, what do we do? That's, if, you, if, if you're not throwing up spaghetti and you got to do it strategically, I will say yeah. that, right? I mean, you can't be sloppy about it. But if you're, if you're not tinkering, that's just another way to say, if you're not tinkering, then you're not really an entrepreneur, right? You, you probably should be working for someone um, because you're, risk, you're probably very risk adverse. But we have thrown a, a lot of spaghetti up on the wall and... Um, one thing I can tell you is that at one point we were trying to do like several businesses at once. And the re and the reality of it is, is that we could have successfully any one of those businesses, we could have been very successful at, but what we found, and this is, I guess the point is that you can only be successful at one or two of them. You can't be successful at all 10 of them at the same time. So all 10 ideas were very good. The spaghetti we threw up was very good. All of it was going to stick, but the catch was you can't do 10 of them at the same time. You have to have focus. So if you try to do 10 of them at the same time, none of them will succeed. If you stay hyper-focused on one or two things, you'll, we, we've seen a lot of growth, right? Cause that's exactly what we did. We took a step back. We eliminated the, we, we, what we figured out is like, okay, which ones are, which ones make us the most amount of money and and then which ones make us most happy, right? So the first question was, which ones make us the most money? Okay, here's a short list of five. Now out of those five, which ones make us the most happy? Okay, here we've whittled it down to two and now let's get hyper-focused on that and we've seen an enormous amount of growth where before when we were trying to do like five businesses at once, it was, we were always asking the question, What's wrong? Why isn't this business growing? What are we not doing? And the reality is what we weren't doing is paying attention to one particular business. Yeah. Right. We were, we were all over the place. 
Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and that's yeah. that's you know we we've talked about certain self help guru people that talk about buying a bunch of different businesses and being like, oh, they're all good cash flow streams or whatever. And I'm like, I feel like they are not only insulting the various businesses, but insulting the people that are paying them for their advice because it's just simply not true. Like every business has its particulars on how to run it and things like that. And there's the, I think it's the Dunning-Kruger effect where you're good at one thing. And so therefore you think you're going to be good at other things. And we see this all the time in the world of like entertainment with like athletes and entertainers where they like, oh, they're going to open up a restaurant or do this or do that. And a lot of times it's a disaster because they don't, the restaurant business and the football business or the, you know, the singing business are, are not the same businesses. They're not. So just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're going to be good at the other. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because I'm still kind of extracting myself from a lot of the the various. I, I've always been in real estate, but, you know, I was doing like we just said, I was doing Airbnbs. I've done single family rentals. I've done seller finance stuff with residential and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm really sort of pulling away from most of the residential. And it's always a good reminder of why when I have incidents like I, I talked to you about in the phone uh, earlier this week where it's like I'm I'm doing a seller finance thing and there's a little bit of a complication with one of the people that owes me money. Um, I have another deal with these people where they've declared bankruptcy I think four times now in like four years. I don't know how many times you can declare bankruptcy, apparently a lot. And it's like the woman's always like, oh, yeah, no, I thought I paid this. Let me go check. And then she goes radio silent. And then like a day later, my lawyer's like, oh, yeah, they filed bankruptcy again. I'm like, good. Like, so I, I'm reminded why I don't want to do all these different things because, yeah, sure, it's not that big a deal. But to me, it's like it would be way less of a deal or a big deal if I had hundreds of these. Then it's like, OK, fine. Like, I, I wouldn't even be the one doing this. I'd have somebody who's just in charge of all this stuff. You know, I would sign here, sign here, do that. But when you sort of dabble in a lot of things, which is what I've done, it's almost like you get the worst of all things because you get all the downsides of everything, but you don't get the scale of focusing on one thing. And what you get with scale is you start getting power. And and what I mean by that is even in something like Temple, it's like I'm, I'm a small, it, it's not that big of a pond, but I'm still a small fish. But if I can get this next project done and maybe the one after, now my power and exposure starts growing and by staying focused on that area in that asset class of doing like the flex warehouse office type stuff um something that i think is you know a good asset class to be in then it becomes easier because if i have the relationship with all the people it becomes easier to get the next thing done and then there become opportunities that i might not even know about because a lot of times in business people that are selling want to make sure there's real buyers out there because sometimes selling could be like defeat. Like you were going to start something and you failed at it. So now you're selling. So a lot of times they prefer a very, um, someone who has a lot of discretion in terms of buying something. So a lot of times you'll find out about deals that never even go on the market. Once you get to the certain place where you're the reputation of somebody who's actually going to execute the deal. Um, I'm not there yet, but I think I could get there in a couple of years in that area. But the but the problem is if I keep getting distracted with Airbnb drama or, you know, stalker drama, I don't know what we're going to call this other situation, you know, uh, unwanted attention drama or, or all these different things. It's like 
I, I think it, it takes away that same mental energy because it's the same thing as being like, my business is this book at this moment. But, oh, you know, it looks really pretty over there. And, oh, that's a good looking person over there. Or this guy looks a little threatening over here. Like now we've got all these other things that are all your other little side hustles or whatever you want to call them. And it's like, now we're looking at this. And as soon as we pay, pay attention to this, now it's like, okay, this thing needs attention. And it's like, you're never really giving anything attention. You're just doing enough to stop the bleeding on this. And now we do this one, but now this one's bleeding more. And like, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a mental and physical and financial exhaustion that wouldn't be there if you were more focused on, I would say, you know, a couple of things is fine. But when you get to, you know, you were, I think, yeah, it was five businesses at one point you were talking about. And for me, it was like five asset classes at one point, you know, it was multifamily and industrial, residential, short-term rental. It's like hard money lending. It's like, that's too much. It's too many different things because I'm never. You're never going to really make the the true inroads that you could make if you're trying to do all these things. Mm -mm. You know? It becomes that quality over quantity, yes. and it's so true. Um, there's no way you can spend all your time equally on any particular task, right? Yeah. It's like people that are like, um, I have five children, and you can. Pro I, I don't have five children, but if someone right. said, I have five children, and I love them all equally, I believe that. Yeah, but I don't believe that you spend your time equally with all five children. Yeah. It becomes impossible. Some children yeah. probably need your attention more than the others. So yeah. uh, one child doesn't feel like they get enough attention. And it, it, it I, you know, I'll give you the, the best example that I have been through personally is in boxing. Hmm. Um, I believe whatever success I had, it was largely due to the fact that I had a coach that focused only on me. Okay. And yeah. When you have that one-on-one -on -one focus, I mean, it's you could probably say that's a large part of Gordon Ryan's success and Danner's yeah. success. Sure. There's a team. Yeah. But let's be real about it. That team has been brought in to help Gordon achieve the highest success he can. You're right. They're training partners. Yeah. And at part of being the training partner is you're going to get access to Gordon and you're going to get access to John Danaher. Yeah. Right. But the yeah. reality is the star of the team is Gordon Ryan. And yeah. we're all here to make sure he's the greatest in the world. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's 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 really sometimes what it takes to be the best is, is it Danaher has to have hyper focus. On yeah. one particular person every day, waking up, studying film, thinking about his game, figuring out what he needs to do. And almost the moment he starts to try to focus on 10 other athletes with the same attention, it becomes yeah. impossible. You're yeah. going to start missing things. You're yeah. going to start not pushing athletes as hard as you were pushing them before because now you're having to push 10 athletes as opposed to motivate and push one athlete. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. It's, it's funny you say that too because I uh... – <laughs> you know, there's uh, on YouTube, there's uh, the B team has their YouTube channel, which is awesome. And like, it's funny. And I see them. I'm like, these are my kind of guys. Like, it's just, it's a very, the philosophy of the team is this idea of like, we don't want to coach. We're just going to coach each, each other and, and kind of figure stuff out. That's our philosophy. Um, and then I watched like the, the new wave YouTube channel that just started. Very different vibe. <laughs> like it felt like, um, I, I heard it described as everyone has the 
don't speak until spoken to vibe type of thing because everyone's like kind of like ha, 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 laughing along at this stuff but it was like it felt very very awkward and highly unfun i guess is the way to say it um so just different philosophies on things but i think what you're right what you're saying is right i mean i think it is it does center around one person and that's not a bad thing i mean you know there's because it's like you know you can see that in fighting a lot in mma you see that where there's somebody like trevor whitman i think only has like three you know people that he's coaching he coaches uh kamar usman um justin gaethje and rose namayunas but they've all gotten way better under they've all been champions under him as a coach but he's his philosophy is the same thing he's like i, I want to just have quality not quantity and then you see something like american top team where they have like hundreds of professional athletes in, in one under one roof and it's like it's always interesting because there's there's people that will gravitate towards different things because there's some people who are like i want to be where there's just you know tons of badasses and blah 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 and then there's other people who are like no i'd rather go somewhere where i'm going to get more individual attention um and that's a sort of an interesting philosophy for life i mean there's people that like big cities there's people like small towns um you know i think sometimes that has to do with preferences i mean you and i've talked about this a lot in terms of like friendships it's like probably only got like maybe six friends or something like that you know i mean six people that i hang out with regularly and they're all people i train with um i wouldn't want it another way though i wouldn't want it like like when i used to know a lot more people in this town and and the jiu-jitsu community was a lot smaller i knew a lot a, a much bigger percentage of the jiu-jitsu world in austin and it's like i, I wouldn't want that anymore like i just to me because it's like you don't have the same depth and i would argue it actually affects your quality of being a person too because it's like if you have people that you train with a lot that you're truly honest with where everyone knows where they stand like that to me is a that's the basis of a real friendship and, and a real friendship where you're going to grow as people and grow as, as athletes and martial artists or business people or whatever it might be versus if it's like you just sort of know people, but it's like this casual fun thing and you do whatever it's like then people get so protective of their reputation or, or who people think they are, who they want people to think they are, that it's like there's never really the same degree of honesty and that causes all sorts of weird stuff we can bring it in jitsu thing where it's like maybe you're you're known for being like the top dog in the school and now there's like somebody else who's coming who's getting better and catching up to you it's like if you're so worried about your reputation it's like you're going to start avoiding that guy or, or like you know finding a, a reason to create friction versus it's like if it's just a group where you already sort of know where everyone is it's like there's not that same worry so in my mind you get better in that situation than and the one where you're worried about being the top dog but there's other people who might do it differently um but i think it's it's important to know what you respond to better you know because I, I think that you and i are both a quality not a quantity person and and by you getting into those different businesses and me getting into like all this different stuff it's like it makes you realize i think this would be way better if it was like two things like you know and for me it's like i want to do hard money lending and commercial development that's all i want to do I love it. You know, it's like, and that's it. so, cause it's, and that's once you sort of have that, it gives you, it's weird. Like by denying things, by saying no to stuff, by ignoring stuff and concentrating, it actually gives you more freedom, but it feels in certain circumstances, like you're giving up stuff, but it's giving you more freedom at the same time. It's a, it's a weird conundrum. Um, that is not I always a dislike when people 
are like, that's common sense. I mean, why didn't you just do that from the beginning? Right. I could have told you that. I hate that. I hate yeah. I hate when people say that. Those to me, those are people that shouldn't even be in the conversation because it shows to me that you are a noob and you've never done anything. Yeah. And that's just a reality. Because yeah. yeah, I know it's it everything is hindsight is 2020, yeah. right? Like you, you don't know what you don't know. And to a certain degree, you have to test your own limits. You have to know yes. what your own limits are. There are some people that can probably manage three or four and yeah. their bandwidth is just a lot more. And th- yeah. there's some reality. I mean, let's be honest. <clears throat> you walk into a jujitsu academy yeah. and I don't care how there's going to be uh, you know, guy or girl, a guy or girl B and no matter how hard B trains, they'll never be as good as A, right? Yeah. Because A was just blessed with certain abilities yeah. that they're just going to be better. Yeah. And that is true in people's IQ as well. I don't yeah. know why people don't understand that. There are people out there that just have a bandwidth that is greater than yours. Yep. And so to preach this philosophy of like, look, my bandwidth allows me to do one or two things hyper-focused, yeah. really, really good. But I didn't know that until I figured out what my bandwidth was, right? And yeah. I went out there and I tried to do five things and I'm like, man, I'm really not as smart as I thought I was, but I'm pretty good at these one yeah. or two things. Yeah. Let me go back and do that. I'm so much happier. But then you take someone, I don't know, maybe like Elon Musk and maybe he can yeah. buy Twitter and he can run SpaceX and he can do yeah. that. But, you know, different bandwidth. And it, I love what you said about wanting people to believe, uh, wanting people to, you know, think about you the way you think about yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think there's just, it, it's a lot of looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself yeah. because a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm just not dreaming big enough then if I do that, I can't give up. But, but the reality is I think what you should be trying to do is figuring out ways you can be the most successful. And again, I'll give you another jujitsu analogy on this. Some people will go in and they'll find a game that they saw, uh, somebody else using to a, at a high degree and yeah. they're like, man, I got to use that game. That's that yeah. has to be my game. And I and I think that that's all wrong. I think you need to find out. It, it's it's about trying a lot of different things. Go try out that game. Go try out, you know, Marcelo's game. Go try out Gordon's game, and figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then come yeah. up with your own game. You you yeah. know what I mean? Instead of trying to mimic and just trying to make people believe. You know what what? It's almost like The Departed, right? Like, do you want people? Do you do you want to be a cop or do you want people to think you're a cop, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's really the thing, like figure out what it is you are trying to accomplish. Do you want to be successful or do you want people to think you are successful? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you want people to think you're successful, then go out there, get on social media and be like, I got 20 businesses yeah. and I yeah. do this and I do that. But we all know in reality, people that are actually doing it and have done it, yeah. that you're probably it's a bunch of BS. It like is. you're talking about some of the influencers that were, you know, we were just talking about earlier that are yeah. like preaching, having a hundred different businesses and cash yeah. flowing. We we're kind of like, well, we, 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 we do this. So we know that it's not really possible, yeah. you know, for the, for, for the average Joe, what yeah. that person is talking about is probably you're investing in a hundred different businesses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're not running a hundred different businesses. There's, yeah. there's, it's impossible. Yeah. And, um, so do you want people to think you're successful or do you really want to be successful? And, and those are two different things. I agree. I agree. And, and it's, um, it's interesting as, as I've gotten older, um, what has become more important to me. And again, talking about that laser focus, um, I just want to be successful. And really now that, uh, 
now that oh, we got the wills done and everything signed. So now that all that stuff's done and signed, um, it's it's been able it's allowed me to sort of mentally detach a little bit and be like, okay, like I'm doing this for I've got sort of this this level of of my my five uh, inheritees or whatever you want to say. But it's like, let me see if I can bump this up to this because then they'd be able to do this, this, and this. So I can sort of focus on like getting these things done for the people that are going to get them eventually or benefit from them eventually. So it's, it's sort of allowed me a little bit of emotional distance from it. Um, but the idea of, yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause I mean, you know, Chantal and I are talking about building a house next door right now. And I have very mixed emotions about that because we don't live in like a, a fancy neighborhood per se. I mean, there's definitely some new houses that are getting built as as old houses get torn down. Um, and it's like, you know, a lot of the old houses, It's there, there's some people that have lived here since these houses were built. My neighbor is 84 years old. I mean, so I, and the, people, the woman on the corner is, is in her 80s and the other woman across the street from her is in her 80s. So you still have people that have been here since this neighborhood started. And it's like, there's right now it's like we completely we blend in and we've lived here for like nine years so it's like we blend in people know me because i walk with the dogs so they know who i am but um but it's like i don't think i would want to there's part of me that doesn't want to stick out at all and it's like if you get one of those new houses it's like now you've become that person you're the person who's changing the neighborhood and i have very mixed emotions about that because i don't I actually would prefer not, I, I wanted to buy that so somebody else wouldn't do that, but I don't know if I want to do that. Like, it's more like I just wanted to control the situation. And I still haven't told anybody in this neighborhood that we bought it either. I don't think anyone even knows. Um, and part of me is just like, I'd rather just keep this as an empty lot and just eventually, you know, sell it or do whatever. Um, People are so, listening to this right now, like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. I was actually bragging about you the other day because uh, uh, Will and Ryan uh, actually came over, um, had uh, dinner with us. Oh, cool. Um, and, I, and I had never actually um, be, been able to hang out with Ryan outside of jujitsu. So yeah. it was, and I, I, I really, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, I've hung out with Will quite a bit for a very long yeah. time. Good friend. Uh, of both of ours. Um, but I never really had a chance to really uh, interact with Ryan outside of the uh and and I love it. I hope we get a chance to, to do that again because he's yeah. a lot of he's he's a really just great uh, human being. I enjoy talking to him. But I was bragging about you the other day because uh, they were like, Mo, you know, they were talking about the home gym. They're like, man, that's really nice. You know, who who trains here with you, though? Right. Like and I was like, well, I just have my one buddy, Carter, and he comes every Saturday because, you know, he's my best buddy in the world. And, and uh, he'll make the time to to come out. And we're the ones that, you know, will will. Um, will use it and uh and i don't know how we got into talking about it but i was uh someone had i forgot what it was it, oh i i think it was about getting to a point where you could just have like your privacy and your space yeah and um i was like yeah man I, you know it, it'd be great you know it was like carter kind of did that he bought the lot next to him and everybody was like what man i wish i because i wish i could just talk to my neighbors and be like hey get out i'm buying this place <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, that's something to aspire to. That's what we're aspiring to do. Yeah, I guess that could be the other step too. You could, I could, I could think about it that way. I'm like, well, let me just buy it. Let me see if I can buy this and this and this. And then just, if I own the whole street now, I feel better. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's weird. I always think about, um, you know, I'll always take it back to something like 
Breaking Bad or whatever, like with Gus Frayne, where it's like he's running these chicken joints, the Poyos Hermanos, and he's driving like a 10-year-old Volvo. And he, you know, like up until a point, that guy understood the importance of it's better to have power and not show it and just blend in and then flex when you need to flex. And that's another thing I think actually coming back, I think this actually goes full circle. That is focusing reading that book because doing all this other stuff and looking up is being like, oh, what does this person think about me? What does this person think? And it's like, I don't give a shit. Like, I mean, and literally as you're focused, you shouldn't because what matters is the people that are involved in the process. What matters is, you know, the guy I'm selling this to or buying this to or the, you know, the builders, whatever, to get the actual thing done, that matters to a point because that, you know, that matters. But if anybody else knows it or whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, and that's where that focus comes because if you can focus on that um, and not get distracted by the social medias of the world and stuff like that, there is, I think there's still that balance of being able to have that real power and yet having that privacy at the same time. I think the enticing idea of wanting to be, because we, you know, we're talking about those influencers, the business they're in is being influencers. They're not really in the business of like, oh, I own a laundromat and this and that. Maybe. I, I don't even know if they do. I think that's all BS. But even if they do, they're, they, they're probably losing money on that thing. But they're being in the influence of like, oh, I got a million YouTube views on this and I got all these people signing up for my course. And then maybe from there, they start doing deals. That was always the, the theory about Robert Kiyosaki is they're like, he didn't actually invest in real estate until he started writing books on investing in real estate. Then he sold so many books and sold so many courses that then he took that money and then he started investing in real estate. That was always like the theory about, or that was always what I heard he did. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's true. And it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these influencers are talking about these ideas and getting people excited about the idea. And then maybe they're doing some like safe investments, some sort of like park your money, like, oh, I own this commercial property. And it's like they they helped buy a Starbucks that was already built or something like that. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You're making that 5% a year. That's, that's cool. I mean, but it's like, I, I think that's probably more what happens most of the time. Because it's like, otherwise, why would you want a lot of people knowing what you're doing? Like, cause to like, yeah, there's abundance, but there's still some things that are zero sum games and these are still competitive games and there's a lot to win and there's a lot to lose. Yeah. So, you know, and, and if, if you're doing it, you're still in the middle, you're still an athlete, you're still, you're still competing. So you really going to show that guy everything you're doing. You're really going to show him all your techniques and your moves and all that. Really? Maybe you'd wait till after, because it's like, I see the Tom McKay's of the world where I'm like, all right, this guy's made enough money that I understand why he's showing this stuff now, but he straight up says, he's like, when I was in the process of making my money, he's like, I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I didn't tell anybody. I never wanted the competition. And I'm like, I, the more I think about that, the more I'm like, because I'm I'm much more at that, that stage than the stage where I'm like, oh, I'm just willing to share everything. Because it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not there yet, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I think that the the understanding of focusing and the understanding of the freedom that gives, but it's a weird human instinct to want to look around. And then when you have a computer in your hand, as you were saying, it, it's like a very, very intense temptation. So I think the important thing is, as you know yourself, you know that, okay, if you're going to go read, you probably you got to leave the phone in the car at least, you know, or you got to maybe not even bring the phone. Um, or, you know, you're going to sleep at night, you turn that thing on silent. I like the next step, 
put it in the next room and charge it up. I think that's better. Even though we sadly didn't get to do our podcast a couple hours ago, but I think it's, I still think, but, but it doesn't matter. I, I think it's, you know, it's, I think it's better that way. So, but it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Anybody says it like anybody who says all that stuff. It's like, I'd always love to see these guys that preach about focusing, whatever. I just would like to observe them sometime and see like, are they looking at their own phone? Like there's a, there's a guy who lives in our town who preaches about being street ready at all the time, you know, like he's, you know, don't be a target and all this. I've seen this dude on multiple times where I'm like, you're a target right now. You're a target right now. I've seen him on his phone doing whatever. I've seen him like distracted, blah, blah, blah. All the things I see him talk about in his courses about what not to do. I've seen him out in the world doing those things. When Zach Della Rocha, the lead singer of uh, Rage Against the Machine, had this whole thing about cellular phone ringing a death tone, I walked into this diner in Los Angeles whenever that stupid song was coming out, and who's on, like, who's sitting there at the booth staring at his stupid cell phone is that stupid guy with that stupid song. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yep, everyone's full of shit. I knew it. <laughs> I love it. That's the mic drop right Boom. there. Um uh, to re-listen to this episode or check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also, check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. As always, I'm Mo. That is my brother, partner in crime, Carter Fisk. And we wish you guys nothing but the best both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by RuleBliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the RuleBliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at RuleBliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.